welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dillon Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. Hello, everybody, and good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you are listening to this edition of the Sports Carnage Podcast. I am Ryan Griffin. As always, we have with you AJ Riley and Paul Roshan. And today, you guys need to be grabbing your beers, your peanuts, your hot dogs, whatever it is you need to have a good time out at the ballpark because we are talking baseball. Opening day is just 16 days away which is fantastic that AJ has chosen just the right time to ingratiate himself into our lovely podcast here because he is the baseball guy, and I know he's more excited than anybody maybe on the planet about baseball coming back. He's not so excited that it's starting at the end of March, though, Um, but he does have a couple of flaming hot takes for us. Uh, I do. I do have some flaming hot takes. Some some bold predictions we could call them for, and a lot of these deal in the American League, so maybe I'll just throw it out there. Maybe we'll do a National League at some point. Um, Let, let's see how this one let's goes. Let's see how it goes, yeah. You let's know, see how it goes. Um, for some reason, you don't like talking about the greatest game ever invented, but that's okay. Um, it is what it is, right? So, baseball season is upon us, and as always, I like to make some pretty bold predictions um, because it's always fun to watch them come true, especially when I'm mostly going to be right anyways. So, um, I'm going to throw these out there. I'm going to get your initial reaction, uh, and then we can debate them back and forth, okay? Everybody on board with that? All right. Sounds good. Okay, here's number one as far as AJ's hot take for the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Miguel Cabrera struggled with injuries over the last few years. Production has been down. Power numbers have gone down. Here's hot take number one. Miggy will play 145 games this season, and in doing so, will reach the 500 home run plateau. And also the 3,000 hit plateau. Now, here's my reasoning. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Miggy over the last, let's say, four out of the last, well, three out of the last four years, has played a minimum of 130 games through injury as well. And if you look at Miggy in spring training, he looks like a completely different version of himself. Um, very much slimmed down, very much, uh, more in shape, driving the ball. Last year he had to revamp his swing, uh, could not really lift and and pivot off of his front foot because of his knee injury and still hit 282 with 12 home runs and 59 RBIs, which is way down for him. Um, but this year he looks like a different Miggy. So I'm thinking if he maintains that health throughout the year, is only in a DH role, which he probably will be 90% of the time because of the signing of CJ Crone, then you're looking at a very healthy and possibly 40, 145 games or more um, from Miguel Cabrera this year. And if he does that, 
If he gets in over 145 games, that gives us he only needs 23 home runs to reach 500, and he only needs 185 hits to reach 3,000. So, gentlemen, crazy or not crazy? I think it's crazy. I think we're putting a little bit too much emphasis on what he's done in the spring. And he, like he's looked better. He's looked slimmer. 145 games out of 162 is a lot. And I know he played 136 last year. I just don't know that that's something that you can count, that you can bank on now that he's not only a year later, but the Tigers also aren't going to be in any type of pennant chase. So that might make way for... Uh, a couple of Miguel Cabrera rest games here or there. If he does even one a month, right? Baseball runs from what March until well, you could really call it April, April until like August ish. Um, so that could be all the like way through September, man. September, yeah. perfect. Um, so August through September, so that or August through September, um, <laughs> April, <laughs> April, through September. April through yeah, September. Go. So that's like five six months right there. Um, where you could have even a game a month is five and six games, and now he's only got 11 to miss the rest of the way. And baseball is in your DH, so it's not as grueling, but there's always something that you can tweak a knee, an elbow. You could get hit in the wrong spot. You could pull a hammy running down the baseline. Really just anything like that can take Miguel Cabrera away from um, away from baseball. Now, if he does hit that game plateau, I don't – I don't see why he wouldn't be able to get the 23 home runs and uh, and the 185 hits because um, he's still at least hitting for average. And I do think that we'll see more power from him this year than we did last year. I just don't think that he gets to the games, which would therefore kind of just knock all that other stuff, um, you know, kind of out of the realm of, of plausibility as well. So I have one contention with what you said about the games. Last year he was hurt. This year he's healthier. Um, well, that we know of, he's healthier. But last year, even being hurt with his knee injury, he still hit 136 games and had basically a hit a game with 139 hits. So that would be my point of contention with your rebuttal. Paul? I am all about uh, Mickey's sex appeal this spring training, and I am 1,000% buying into everything I'm seeing. But it's not a case of, oh, he's mashing it in spring training. So he's going to have a great season. We know that that's not always how it works. It's just seeing him healthy. Like, we already know Miggy is arguably the best pure hitter to ever play baseball. Arguably. I'm not going to get in a fight right now. Yeah. Arguably the best pure hitter to ever play baseball. So he's fantastic. Like, the talent's absolutely there. And, yes, he's older, but he's still a big dude that can mash balls. He still has insane hand-eye coordination. And his knack for tracking balls is unbelievable, as well as his bat speed and the fact that he can get around on seemingly anything at any portion of the plate. The problem is injuries. We talked about it. Like mm-hmm. The reason he hasn't played 145 games in God knows how long is because he can't stay healthy. And not only can he not stay healthy, it's not just about him missing games. It's that, he, like you said last year, how he played through all these nagging injuries. When he's playing, he's not anywhere near 100% healthy. He's playing on one leg. He's playing with one arm. He's playing with his abdominals completely jacked, which, spoiler alert, might be as much important as his second arm. Like, the fact that he's been able to do what he's done and have MLB-level production at all through the injuries he played with is incredible. So to see him in what looks like actually really good shape, like slimmer than I've seen him in a long time, and not just, okay, he looks smaller and, like, he hit the bike a little bit this summer but or this winter. winter, but 
his swing. Look at how much. Like, if you could take up just just cut-ups of his swings last year to the swings that we've seen of him in spring training, how much smoother and natural it looks. How much more comfortable he looks. Like, he's not taking hacks anymore, and he's not guessing. He's just swinging that beautiful, pure baseball Mickey swing. Yeah. Absolutely. I, so you're, this guy has had a lot longer to get healthy. He looks healthier, and he's smaller, which everybody should know by now that the larger you are, the harder it is to recover and the harder it is to stay healthy. When you slim up, you're going to be able to manage your injuries better and stay healthier. He played 136 last year. He looks in a lot better shape this year. And the other underlying thing to me is motivation. So this team is not going anywhere this year, right? Mm -hmm. We all agree they're not contending for anything Mm -hmm. this year. It's just not happening as much as we would love it to happen. And he's getting his money. He's on a fat guaranteed contract. And he's not expected to be in MVP conversations. He's not expected to really be relevant in baseball this year. And that sounds harsh, but he's playing on a team that is garbage. And he's not probably going to be MVP, right? So in the national scope of things, nobody really cares what Miguel Cabrera is doing anymore. And it sounds terrible, but if you ask teams around the nation, like, Give me 10 baseball players you're excited to see this year. None of them are saying Miguel Cabrera. None of them. So where is his motivation? And yet, this offseason, he clearly worked his ass off mm-hmm. to show up in the best shape he stayed in for, he's showed up in, in forever and look super comfortable out there. That tells me that he is motivated himself. He is very self-motivated coming into this season that whether it's all the talk that's gone on, whether he wants to prove daughters wrong, whether he wants to prove something to himself, whether he wants to chase the numbers that you talked about, he is clearly motivated by things below the surface to show up in the shape that he showed at. So you're giving me uh, what looks like to be a Mickey in good shape, what is definitely a Mickey that's had plenty of rest and recovery, and what I very much believe the evidence says is a motivated Mickey, and you're telling me he's going to play most of the season and hit those numbers, I will absolutely take that. I buy all of that. So let me give you a name. Let me throw a name out there, and you probably know who I'm going to say, but David Ortiz. Four of his more productive years, except for a few earlier in his career, but when he hit the age season that Miggy's about to hit this year, Miggy's about to hit his age 37 season, he went on to hit over 140 home runs, or actually I think 140 right on the dot, and over 400 RBIs as a full-time DH from age 37 to 40. David Ortiz did. And there's nothing that I think could stop Miggy from coming close to those numbers. Maybe not the home run numbers because of Comerica Park. But, I mean, you're talking about major production later in your career. And Miggy is clearly, I think, a better overall hitter than David Ortiz ever was. I I mean, that's a perfect example. People want to... The, the more the comparison that people like to make with Miggy all the time is Albert Pujols. He's not. Yeah. He is not going. Good. He is going Didn't to have Ortiz? a much, much better. Not to, sorry to interrupt you, Ryan, but he's going to have a no, much, good. much better later career than 
Pujols did, and I think your comparison to Ortiz is fantastic. Steroids aside, didn't Ortiz have like way better help around him in the lineup? Well, yeah, he did, but look at what the Tigers did this year. I mean, I know we're down on the Tigers, and I know that I'm probably an eternal optimist when it comes to them, but for as much crap as we give Alavila for the moves that he hasn't made and for his terrible negotiating tactics, signing Jonathan Scope and C.J. Crone was a great move this offseason. Was a really good move this offseason, and... If Candelario or Demerit can swing the bat like they have shown to swing the bat in the minor leagues, you're talking about help surrounding Miggy, not to the level that he had in the past, 2011, 2012, 2013, because that will never be equated again. But you're talking about the potential of like an adequate lineup that has people on base for Miggy to drive in. So... You're right, David Ortiz had more of a supporting cast, but Miggy's supporting cast is not going to be that terrible when C.J. Crone's hitting behind him. Because C.J. Crone, I mean, he he can, like, Hulk smash balls. So that that's kind of my take on Miggy. I think it's going to happen. I hope he gets that 145. I hope he gets to 156 games this year just so that uh, – there's some excitement for the season as we're bottom feeders in the Central Division because um, it'd be fun and exciting to watch him chase 500, to watch him chase 3,000 this year and give us something to cheer about and build maybe some you know, organizational momentum going into 2021 when the young guns come up. Um, all right, hot take number two. The cheating Houston Astros will miss the playoffs. No reaction at all? Well, I, th- well, I thought you were going to I know. I knew you were waiting for me to explain, to but I was waiting for Paul to just cut me off and go for it. So so we we know. Are, are you going to explain? I or will, but I, I just right. kind of want to hear what you have to say. Oh Well, so I, when, when I thought I was going to do bold takes, I had them winning the AL. So obviously I think that's just – and I, I understand – what you're the talent's say, there. The talent's no there. Make there's my no argument for me, then. The what am I going to say? There is no way in the universe. So, they lost Garrett Cole. One. Justin Verlander, which would be your next option for ace. Two. Is already hurt yep. and has already dealt with plenty of injuries in his career, and he is primed for a down year. Uh, obviously, the pressure in all of baseball is going to be on them. They're, they're going to get figuratively and literally everybody's best shot all season, yeah. whether it's 100%. being hit with the ball or teams just wildly motivated to beat them and embarrass them, and they're getting everybody's best shot. They're they're not slipping up on anybody this season. I don't care who they play. They're going to get their best shot. So all of those things matter. You can even argue if you really believe all of the stuff about beating on a trash can and how much it helped them that they don't have that anymore. There's going to be a lot of pressure both internal and external. They lost both their GM and their manager. actual manager. Um, that's obviously makes a huge. There is a ton of turmoil going on there, You're right. and if everything spirals down out of control, I I understand where you get the take from. I just disagree with it. Well, but here's one thing you forgot to mention: the Oakland Athletics, who are a very good baseball team. Well, it could still be a wild card. Well, those go into my other takes, but we'll get to that in a second. I think Oakland challenges them for the AL West. I don't think the Texas Rangers really will. 
Seattle is just kind of a disaster as it is. Um, and the Angels are part of my other bold take, so we'll get to that in a minute. But I think that everything, I mean, yeah, you made my argument for me. It's very difficult to replace a Garrett Cole in the production that he gave you last year. It is very difficult to have your next ace, Justin Verlander, on the shelf for the beginning of the season because of a strained oblique, or growing, I think it is, um, which is going to be nagging and something that he's going to be dealing with probably all season long, right? And then you get to the external factors of, like you said, everybody's going to give them their best shot. You got all the distraction from the media and everything that they're going to have to answer questions for after the game, all this kind of stuff. The moment that there's even like some semblance that they might be trying the same scheme again, not saying that they would, but if they were to like, if some, the moment somebody hears a thump when one of them's up to bat, right? It's just going to be like all hell breaking loose on them. And then if their production does drop, and I'm not saying that it will, but let's say that that trash can scheme had more impact than you believe that it did, Paul, and you see production dropping from Alex Bregman, possibly from Altuve. I think Altuve is a better player than Bregman as it is. But, But if that production drops and you've essentially lost two aces, you're you're struggling to hit even that wild card spot, especially with a target on your back. They're too good. They are like, good. Like their lineup is stupid. They are good, but look, but where's Carlos Correa been the last couple of years? Right. Sure, they have. He's due. Huh. He's due. Maybe. And that's and also so. Take a guy like Correa, whose production has arguably been down. He still plays great defense. Like, so Houston is an incredible team, top to bottom, for right. a myriad of reasons. But the thing that I love about Houston more than anything else is not only do they have just a sick one through nine, but their one through nine plays defense. Well, not their one through nine because their DH obviously doesn't play defense. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. They are all good in their positions out in the field as well. They're not just good at the plate. They play, they're two-way players. They're true two-way players pretty much across the board. Uh, you have an amazing shortstop-second base combo, which to me is one of the most important things in baseball. You have a, a really good third baseman. Your outfield is nice. Like Where are your weaknesses defensively that are really hurting you? So that And that is the thing that... Production wanes, man. Production goes up and down, like wildly. Like not not just season to season, but week to week, month to month in baseball. And that's why you see teams get hot at the right time and win it all. Uh, that the stuff at the plate, that that a lot of stuff can change. But when you're a good defensive team, that's consistent, and that's consistent all the time. You take that into every stadium, no matter what time of day it is, no matter what it is. You that advantage stays with you. Defense travels and it is cons- the easiest thing to be consistent if you're a good defensive team. You look at a guy like Verlander. So he's getting old. People have been preaching his decline for a long, long time and then he went to the Astros and he really got rejuvenated although he was on the climb up with the Tigers for quite a while. But even Verlander does not get nearly enough appreciation for how great he was especially 
through injury. Like, everyone I agree. thought Verlander was washed, right? I agree. Like, literally, when he was in Detroit in, in the mid-2010s, people were like, Verlander's done. The worst point in his career, discounting his rookie year, of course, I'm not going to include his rookie year, or actually, it might have been after his rookie year, but after he established himself, the worst he ever did, through injury, we're talking he needed abdominal surgery, he was all jacked up, through injury... His worst ERA was a 4-5-4, and he still stuck, struck out 159 batters. And that is, like, his absolute lowest of the low could barely pitch because his body was revolting against him. And that's still better than what we're paying Jordan Zimmerman to do the last three years. I mean, that's the lowest of the low. So, yes, he is older. Yes, he is already coming into the season with injury, and he might miss some time, and he might manage it, and he might not go as deep into games. But we're talking about a guy who has almost 600 strikeouts the last two years, that has an ERA in the two fives, a whip of below one. A whip of below one. He posted a whip of .8 last year. Do you know how hard it is to post a whip of .8 across the 34 games that he played? It's insane. They're just last year. So, yes, he's getting older. Can you slow down on this? Because this is my next take. Just wait. I want to hear what Ryan has to say about the Astros, and then I'll give you my next bold pred- prediction right, about Verlander. All right. all right, so I can yell some more. All yep. Right. All right. Ryan, the Astros? I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you about the, uh, about the Astros missing the playoffs. Jesus For me, Christ. it's more so like, just all the all the mental stuff that you're gonna have to deal with throughout the years is you're gonna, never gonna have a bigger microscope on you than you do now. Even after you won the World Series and then you went back to another, but now that you're cheating, there's gonna be a microphone mm-hmm. in your face. 162 games of the year, your mistakes are gonna be amplified, and that's gonna make guys. In my opinion, it's not gonna bring them closer together. It's going to drive them apart. Not even that you're necessarily going to hate your teammates, but just when you get so frustrated, you're eventually going to reach your boiling your boiling point, and then you're you know you start finger pointing, you start uh, you know blaming guys for mistakes, and without we you know without your manager that you had last year, um, and even your general manager to a sense. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a real weak sort of like core that they have going on in their clubhouse. And regardless of like getting every team's best shot, because um, they will, and even after they won the World Series, it still won't be like this, in my opinion. It's going to be kind of a different beast that they've really ever seen. Um, and like I said, everything that they do wrong is going to be put on display. It's going to be talked about on the sports shows. It's going to be asked about them in the press conferences. And eventually everything like that uh, is just going to build up into an unsuccessful season for the Astros. Um, plus, you mentioned they lost Garrett Cole. Ver- Verlander starting the year hurt, which is never, ever, ever a good sign. So your top two pitchers, one is gone, gone, gone. And then the other one, you really just kind of don't know what you're going to get. And I know you're going to get to Verlander in a second. Um, but if he's not as good as he was last year and he's starting the season off hurt, um, you know, if you start off rocky with a new manager and just with everything that you have going on, because it's not, it's never going to be worse than it is to start the year. And if you fall behind a lot, uh, that's when I think, you know, things kind of start to unravel through the whole season. 
See, and this is where I, the, the vibe that I get and what I fully expect, I think this team is going to be wildly motivated to do the opposite of all that. Like, they want to go out and prove that we are badass motherfuckers who are awesome. And Impressive I too think hard. Matt is going to be really pissed at you about that. I think that's true. I'm sorry, Matt. I love you, buddy. I think they're going to come out, and I think, ironically, that all the things that you talked about, pitfalls and them, if they start to lose or in the media and it tearing them apart, I think all of this is going to bring them closer together. I really do. I think because it is truly them against the world. Like everyone likes to have a chip on their shoulder and say it's us against everybody. It's literally them against everybody. And they, they have two choices. It's either fall apart or it's stick together and bond better than ever and play for each other. Because at this point, they're not playing for anybody else. Like, they are literally playing for each other. They got even former players criticizing them. Like, Mike Fire is the one who blew his whole thing up and he used to be in that locker room. So it is them against everybody. I expect them to come together and want to shove it up everybody's ass. Yeah, I get that, but I kind of, like, where I side with Ryan on this whole thing and why I think this is one of my... On your thing? Well, but (laughs) I side with a point that he made is that wear and tear mentally that this can cause. Because baseball already is a very mentally taxing game playing 162 games, right? And so it's very difficult, I think to one keep mentally strong even throughout a normal season and this is not going to be at all a normal season for the Houston Astros. It's going to be a fun season. I'm 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 literally an Astros fan like I I don't even So you support cheaters. Yes. Okay. I guess. Good to That's know like, where you stand. I support I have a line when it comes to cheating and they didn't cross it. Let's put it that way. Okay. And I, I think I think everything is overblown, and I literally want them to spit in everybody's face. Like I, I would be, nothing would please me more. Literally, the only thing that would touch it is, of course, the Tigers winning a World Series out of nowhere. But I don't expect that to happen. I want them to win the World Series more than I want the Lions to make the playoffs this year. Wow. Although to be fair, I do not want the Lions to make the playoffs wow. this year. So that leads to hot take number three, sticking with the Houston Astros and somebody that you have already talked at length about, so this should not take long, but even though this it pains me very much to say this, and I love the guy to death, hated to see him go, and longing for the day that he wears the old English D again, but I think this year, the way that it is particularly starting, is going to begin the downhill turn for Justin Verlander. He's coming into his age 37 season. Yes, his numbers are good and have been good over the last few years. But given his, I mean, he does have a very effortless mechanics. So I I will give him that. But the, the torque and the wear and tear on his arm for how hard he throws I think is going to start catching up to him and his aging body. I feel betrayed. Why? I can't have a hot take that speaks against no, Justin Verlander. It's not that. No, you were totally in belief that this man was going to come back in the twilight I do. of his career to Detroit and pitch well for us. I do. I didn't say he's not going to pitch well, but I don't think we're going. When I say the downhill decline, JV, JV on a downhill slide is still a really good pitcher. Okay, so to me though, so if you're if this is the start of his decline, 
then he's not going to have a better season than this year after this year. I would probably agree with that. Okay, that's what that means to me. Yeah. And I disagree with that. But that doesn't I don't think but that doesn't mean that he can't come back to Detroit at for, some for point. For some of the reasons that we mentioned. Although I mean it I I have always thought that if he ever did put the Tigers uniform on again, he would be their fourth pitcher. Maybe even their fifth pitcher like Kenny Rogers was in 2006. Don't be Kenny. But but Paul, just logistically I mean, think about it. I mean, logically. Also, you can't. At, Kenny Kenny was a playoff starter. Right. So and and what do you think so JV would, would be on pitcher. that team? I so would like call him a fifth pitcher. so what I'm thinking about JV is like JV might not have a spot on the team if our pitching pans out the way it looks like it might. No, but. he will because one of those five guys is not going to last in the, the rotation. Yeah. And, I mean, I have my own hot takes, and you can look forward to my article coming for the Detroit Tigers on Detroit Sports Nation about my three bold picks for 2020. Um, But if we look at, like, his contract, let's see, he signed through next year. So let's say that he, after this season, after next season, 2022, signs a, you know, one-year deal, two-year deal with the Tigers. At that point, I doubt all five of those guys are going to be up. They may be up, but one of them could be in a bullpen role. While guys like Mize, Scooble, and Fiedo are learning from Justin Verlander and Manning. Let me not forget Manning because Manning's incredible as well. So that could be your starting rotation in 2022 if JV were to come back to Detroit. Right? Mize, Scooble, Fiedo, Manning, Verlander. So you, I mean, you there's have, also no chance all those guys are better than Verlander. Like, you'd have to hit But at that point well, in his career. On. He's talking about then. It's not right now. We're not talking about right now. I mean, so you have. I know, but even then, that's only two years. Manning and Mize are insane. Like, they're going to be insane. You know who's us. better than I, I'm, Manning? I promise you. And might even be better than Mize? Don't say Perez. No. Tariq Skubal. It's possible. We're going to find out. So think about this. So those three are insane, right? You want like, my you want prospects. my bold take? I'll give it to you here before I write it in the right, article. Scooble is the first one up from those guys, and it happens this season. All right, that's that's wildly bold. If that, so we are going to win a World Series with this team. If you are correct, like if they're so think about it. So right now, Manning and Mize, I'm giving you as they are surefire, at least number two caliber starters. Hundred percent. I very like I I think Mize is an ace personally, but I, I guarantee both of those are at least surefire number two starters. You are crazy high on Scooble. That's a fantastic rotation right there. Do you right? know who else is crazy high on Scooble? Every person that has seen a him. A lot pitch. of people are. Isn't he like? Isn't he like right behind Manning and Mize in the system for prospects? Yeah, pumping 98 as a lefty with a it's devastating 12 to 6 curve. As a lefty, like, but how many pitches is he going to have? What do you mean? How many how many different pitches is he going to be able to mix up that are plus up. pitches Hold at on. the major league level? I'm talking So I so he Go is ahead, he going, going to be able to work more than a couple pitches at the major league level? So his fastball and curve are legit. Is he going to develop his changeup? Is his c- control? Is he going to be able to manage his control? I, I think he is. I- I'm really huge. He on him, he, is, he is, shot up the ranks to our number is, four overall prospect. I, you know, we talked about this before about preventative Tommy John. No, I he think, already had it. 
No, he had it. That's and I'm using that as an okay, example. Okay, okay. Another example. He had it. He's good going forward, and he recovered awesome. But that's only Mai's, a nine to Mai's ten year should have had it shelf life. I think Mai should have had Tommy John, and I think Fulmer should have had Tommy John. Well, yeah, Fulmer should have we been didn't. traded when we, he had the highest value. Which you're probably correct, but well, you so fought me on that. Fulmer, so we have those three. So he has. Let me just give this to you. He has three plus pitches right now. Does he have three? Slider, curveball, fastball. I want to see him develop his changeup. And his, and like his the changeup change is the one that I really need to see. So slider, so to me, so slider's great, but if you have a great fastball, your slider, it loses a little bit. It, like, I'd rather, if I could swap slider and changeup, like if, I, if his changeup could be as good as his slider to mix in with the curveball and fastball, you're talking about like just absurdity. His slider is like half a pitch in addition to his fastball and curveball. To me, the way when I'm when I'm looking at a pitcher and the way that I want him to be able to mix up his deliveries and his pitches to really get batters off balance, it's great to have as an extra weapon. But I really want to see if that changeup gets up there, he's an ace. Yeah. So if here, he just to give you, up, I know that we're kind of getting off topic here, but like it's fine. right I'm now, honest. right now he's got a plus fastball, plus curveball, plus slider. And his changeup slightly below average. Well, he's a lefty throwing high nineties. So well, he's he, I mean, he's hit ninety eight numerous his, times this this spring. He's only twenty three. He's only twenty three. Six three from the left hand side. I mean, so MLB.com hasn't projected to make the bigs next year. But here's there. There's a couple of things working in his favor, in my opinion. Right, number one, there's no risk in bringing him up and starting his clock. Because you don't have a ton of money invested into him. Because he was a ninth-round draft pick in 2018. Well, it still starts his clock, though, doesn't it? It starts his clock, but, you know, you've invested money in Casey Mize. I, the and money, you don't, see, the money I don't care about, though. But I, The team might, that but That goes they into it, right. But so, so Scooble has had, time, had Tommy John in 2016, which has about a 10-year shelf life. That's why we're seeing Jordan Zimmerman. He missed, didn't he miss the year after? Yeah. Yeah. 2017. Wiped out much remember, of his 16 and 17 in his entire 17 season. Because the Tigers didn't dr- draft him first. Another team drafted him. No, the Diamondbacks in the 29th round. He chose not to sign return to Seattle where he had an uneven performance and he was drafted in the ninth, ninth round. So, he, like, we're talking about a better version of Matthew Boyd right now. He's number so, 74 on the top 100 prospect. He's number four in our system. You've and he's, mentioned Matthew Boyd, and you've mentioned Michael Fulmer. Yeah. Last I checked, those two still pitch for the Tigers. Yeah, even though they both Boyd, shouldn't pitch for the Tigers during this rebound. But we might be stuck with Fulmer. I don't, yeah, I don't, but Fulmer could also go to the back end of the bullpen and be a setup guy for Jimenez or close if Jimenez can't figure it out. Why not? I wouldn't want him to be. If you have better because starters. if you let him heal and you give him time, and you do things the right way, he is still, at worst, a number three starter. Uh, yeah, I'm And not, at times, yeah. he can be ace caliber. So, you have Fulmer. You might have Boyd, but I think he'll be gone. You have Mize and Manning. Scooble's probably going to pan out. You still have other really good prospects in the minors. You're t- one of Perez, Fajardo, and Wentz is going to pan out. 
Yeah. I guarantee it. One of them is going to be a good pitcher. Don't we forget, have you got Anthony Castro, who's down. He's a little bit older, though. Ronnie I Garcia. Castro's a shortstop. I mean, we have like three, three Castros. Willie Castro. Jesus Christ, I can't even keep track of it all. Willie Castro's the shortstop that came up last year. Oh, and Burrow too. Bull Burrows. We are yeah. pitching depth is stupid. Which it is. Hopefully, it is. a ton of it pans out so that we can trade it for other positions of need. I agree. You get pitchers that pan out, and you can trade them for a lot. I mean, they're valuable trade pieces, obviously. Which is why I said a few years ago when we talked about two years ago when we talked about this in depth that I thought the Tigers could turn things around really quickly once things started to come to fruition because your pitchers are panning out. You have really good pitching, and then you can okay, you don't have a lineup between buying one. In trading for one, you can make a lineup yeah. really quick. So that leads us all back to this idea that when Verlander's contract's up in 2021, he would slot in at our number four starter. That's where it gets me to the because fact that then I we think might have four pitchers better than him in that, at that point. That's what I'm saying, say. which which leads to my bold prediction that this year's going to be the kind of you're going to start to see that downward trend he's still going to be good don't get me wrong because you can't go from the mountaintop to the valley and not pass through like still being pretty high up on people's list you know what i'm saying so there's still going to be a sense of dominance and you'll probably see flashes i just don't think you'll see them as often so i have an insane I don't even want to call it a stat, just a little factoid for you. I think it's insane. You might not care. Um, I, I just pulled up the Tigers prospect list. I'm looking at the it right ranked now. ranked prospects on MLB. I just pulled it up because I was curious about a couple things. And uh, something super interesting to me. Now, the Tigers don't have – once you get down a little bit, we don't have an insane depth in our farm. But a decent chunk of our farm is pretty decent, especially lately. Um of our top 23 prospects, 13 of them are pitchers. I know. I, I can't even begin to put that into perspective, how many positions there are on a baseball team. And 13 of 23, some fuzzy math tells me that's around like 62%. I'm just guessing in my head right now. I'd, uh, I'll bring out my phone and tell you in a second. And what's even crazier is we've got guys down here that we know nothing about really. Like that Roberto Campos that they signed oh, from Cuba, off. or like that it was an international signing. We don't really know much about him, so like he could be the best prospect of all of them. He could be. You know he's what I'm young. saying? He's what eighteen. This is a this is a big year for guys like. Kobe. Oh no, he's sixteen! Holy shit! Yeah, and he's he Jesus. already slots in at twenty six. That's pretty crazy. So, That's a lot of projection. All right, so though. let's That's move on. So we've done three. Here's our fourth. Okay, we could talk about the Tigers all night, but we don't have time for that. So. Yeah, we do. Number four, staying yeah, in the Central Division, AJ's hot takes for 21 baseball se- or 21, 20 baseball season, 2020 baseball season, is that the Chicago White Sox will make the playoffs on a wild card berth after losing out to the Twins in the final week of the season. Now, I don't think the Central gets two teams in. I don't know where the other team's going to come from. Um, I just don't think it'll be it'll be here. So the only like you're going to get a team, you're probably going to get two teams from the West end. You might even get three teams from the West, depending on how the Astros handle what about their business. The East? Who? 
other than Tampa Bay and New York. Boston's not going to. They just traded away David Price and Mookie Betts. Baltimore's worse than Detroit is. So Toronto if, well, may Toronto maybe if is kind of an iffy team. If Oakland, well, so if Oakland wins the West, mm-hmm. there's no way a central team's getting it. I don't think. Um, well, based on my previous prediction, you would get. But I disagree with you. I know you do. Like so. If, now, I can't get mad at this take, so I actually have them missing the playoffs, like as a bold prediction, because people are high on the Sox this year. Um, I agree with you that they're going to lose to the Twins, and it wouldn't be surprising at all that they're good enough for a wild card. So I don't, unlike Ryan, I don't think like it's crazy. Um, uh, it's going to be kind of hard, but it's not going to be... Uh, it's not a bad take. Like, I also think the Twins are going to win the division, I think the Sox are a little overrated, but everyone has the Sox. But they're doing so young this year. and they're so good. That's the thing. Like they have, there's something I saw the other day of like the top ten prospects who are going to break through this year, and like two Half of them are the Sox. Like, I seen at least two of them were White Sox, and like ten I, no, was, was Nick looking, Madrigal. I was looking at the highest. I wanted him so bad, by the way. Um, no, you didn't. Every I time I brought him up, you called me an idiot. Because he went in the same draft as who? Mize. Okay. I, I wanted them both. We didn't get that option. I No, I wouldn't have taken him over Mize, but I did really like him. Um, I know it makes you sick because you really did want him over Mize. Yeah. And you can argue on need, but I will always argue best player, especially in baseball. But it, that doesn't matter. It's yeah, irrelevant. irrelevant. Um, I, I don't think it's a crazy take. Like, I'm not... I don't think it's going to exactly go down that way, but I'm not going to knock it. Like, it could very well go down that way. I'm just – I'm being very bearish on the Sox. But some of it is also hate. Like, there is bias in my shitting on them. Um, so I'll admit that. Like, I, it's not a bad take. Like, it could very well pan out that way. I just – I think that um, – I think there's probably six teams that can make the postseason from the American League. I could be way off on this. Isn't there only six slots? No. East, Central, West. Two wild cards. Oh, there's five. There's five. Um, I hate that there's three divisions instead of four. So, I think New York wins the East, Twins win the Central, Oakland wins the West, and then your two wild card teams play into my fifth, fourth and fifth bold take. Like I said, Chicago would win the wild card on, uh, after losing out to the Twins. And then my fifth bold take for the 2020 baseball season is that the Angels will make the playoffs as a wild card team under new manager Joe Madden with the best player in the game, Mike Trout, and newly acquired third baseman Anthony Rendon. I think that if there's now, it, if there's ever a time, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Paul. If there's ever a time for that to happen, I think new leadership especially Joe Madden, who's probably one of the best, if not the best in the game. Um, go back to our previous podcast where Matt brought out the 2002 Los Angeles or Anaheim Angels at that time when Joe Madden was a part of that. California just kind of suits Crazy Joe, um, and I think that he will, now that they've rid themselves of Brad Ausmus, I think he takes them to the promised land of Why the Why did they hire Brad Ausmus? 
to bridge the gap. I'm telling you, it was to bridge the gap. It was only it was only to bridge the gap to Joe Madden because they knew Madden was going to be available. I'm telling so, you. So, my problem with this take is not the take itself. It's that I think it hurts your previous take of the White uh, Sox. Yeah, is and, that you hate fun? And also, you thinking the Astros are going to miss the playoffs. So, to me, so we talked about this a little bit already. So you think the Athletics are going to win the, the division? Yeah. I don't think there's any way in the universe the Astros miss the playoffs. I just don't. See, I do understand the logic. I just don't buy it that that's how it's actually going to play out. And we talked about why already. Well, that's why it's both. If the Angels are um, in that mix too, well, guess who that doesn't leave a spot for? Chicago, because now we got three teams from the West End. And it's going to be that competitive, and I think that hurts Chicago even more because if the Angels are good enough, if the Athletics are good enough to contend, I very much think the Astros are good enough, that is going to raise the floor for what it's going to take to be a wild card. Yeah, but let me reiterate the fact that I also think that the Astros are good enough. I just don't think... I just don't think that they have the mental wherewithal to last this season with all they're going to endure. I really think it's the opposite. But you could be I mean, is, so if no, the season goes, there, there is synergy. If the season goes the way you think, I mean, if Oakland takes the division, the Angel, Angels climb up to much more relevance, that's going to hurt the Astros because the Astros play them both a bunch throughout a the year bunch. in the same division. So, uh, obviously, that doesn't... I mean, how many times do they play in the season? 12, 16? 19, I think. 19? Jesus Christ. So, that's Each. 38 games against... Holy... Ball. That's crazy. Against Oakland and... So many Los games. Angeles. Jesus. I'm all aboard. Uh, all aboard the Angels train. Mike Trout's got to get in. I, I... Yeah, I think he's... I mean... The, even if the MLB has to help him cheat to get in. Like, I hate... I hate... They, they need that man in the playoffs. I think it's a very weak argument... When people talk about him not being the greatest ever because he hasn't won a play playoff game, it's like the same thing that people say about Matthew Stafford. It, it's just it's it's intellectually weak. That's very generous, Hold on. Matthew Stafford. It is extremely. I'm glad you brought that up because it is such bullshit. How much more of a pass Trout gets? No, he doesn't get it, it. But I don't. I doubt you spend much time on baseball Twitter. Like you know what I'm saying. So like, he doesn't get a pass. That's the argument. Actual people baseball are, people think Mike Trout is the greatest player ever. No, but actual... And by far the best player in baseball for the past decade. Oh, 100%. And, and so, I make well, that argument that he, he that like decade, when but... he retires, he probably will be the best baseball player ever. So Stafford doesn't even get credit for... Being anything, great, actually. right? Like, he I know. Get credit for being really good, right? And but it's but stupid. again, you said like not like all the football people think that he's good. It's all the fans, and that's who I'm talking. Oh, this is a, a collection. They got Trout, Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, who we talked about earlier. Well, the, don't don't bring, They wish they didn't have Pujols. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. The pitcher who was raking. Yeah. That's the that's a pitcher who rakes. Yeah. He's, he's healthy. And he's, he's the reason. He's the reason that Albert Pujols can't be a DH. Well, Albert Pujols might be part of the reason too. No. You're telling me that Albert Pujols wouldn't want to just hit all the time? No, I'm telling you that Albert Pujols can't hit a ball anymore. No, I'm. Yeah, but they're still putting his bat in the lineup at first base. They shouldn't. I wish they wouldn't, but they're paying him too much not to. 
He gave him, what, 20, 23 homers last year. Is that decent power numbers? On uh, 240 was, hitting. Literally, well, in three years in happens. a row. Three years in a row he's hit 240. This is not an aberration. That's what he is. He hits well, 240. Well, he just gives you power. It's not uh, On good. base at 305? Especially at first base. Like yeah, but I mean – Paul, if we're being honest, like ever since he signed that ribbies? contract with the Angels, he's hit 285 once, and then everything else has been below garbage. 280. He's been garbage. But if this is like, if this becomes your fourth or best or fourth or fifth best hitter, yeah. like in your lineup, and you're getting 23 home runs and he's not even their guys, he's range. not even their fourth best hitter. He's not even their fourth best anything. No, but I mean, he he like I get what Ryan's saying, like. That's why that's why I think that the Angels are kind of poised for that wild card spot because you like they don't have a bad team. Their biggest knock is their pitching, right? But when you're looking at like they signed Jason Castro, good good uh like good catcher. Max Stassi, another like young kid that that has potential. Uh at first base Pool holes, obviously. Um, David Fletcher came on last year. Andrelton Simmons is in their lineup. Rendon is in their lineup. Justin Upton, Mike Trout. And they have this kid, Joe Adele, who's a prospect who, like, is one of the better ones in baseball. So I mean, they need the pitching. They do they, need the pitching. They need... It's just... Teron Bundy, Andrew Haney. They're such a weird-ass team. Man. Griffin you Canning, Griffin Trout. Canning. he's going to be you on the uh, injured list, but he's pretty good. Nothing. Shohei Otani is going to be their ace. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be their ace, their DH, their everything. So, yep, those are my five baseball 2020 hot takes. You have a pitcher that's good enough to be a DH. Do you know how incredible that is? Babe Ruth, man. Like, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's where JV is going to go after Houston, though. He's going to hop on the Madden trout bandwagon and go that's, to Los I, Angeles instead of I Detroit. Still, I still. I don't think so. I still mm-hmm. wish. Talk about bold take. I still wish Otani went to a National League team. Him and Kate Upton in Los Angeles instead of Birmingham? Why would he do that instead of going to the Dodgers if they're still raking? Because then you get to play. With homeboy, with Dodgers, Trout and Joe Dodgers window's got to be about close, right? Well, I think they nudged it back open with Mookie with Betts Mookie? if they yeah. can re-sign him. But yeah, I would agree with you. It's probably closing at some point. But there's no. But here's the thing about the Dodgers, right? And we can stay on baseball for a little bit. There's nobody in the NL West that's even trying to challenge them. The Rockies are trying to sell off their best player. The Diamondbacks made some moves. Bumgarner goes to the Diamondbacks, but that doesn't change anything. We expect that they're going to be in the playoffs, but whether they do anything with that is a completely different story. Yeah, so. All right, that's our baseball talk. ESPN trying to pry Al Michaels away from NBC, not through contract negotiations or offering them, you know, double the salary. They tried to trade for him, which I didn't even know was a thing. Now, NBC shot it down because they don't want to get rid of Al Michaels. But uh, they tried to pair him. So they tried to bring him back for Monday Night Football, which is obviously their Monday night broadcast, which is taking a lot of heat. Um, the likes of was it Booger McFarlane and oh. is it Tessitar now? How terrible uh, is that broadcast? Still, 
Oh, the McDonough is that the dude's name? The the trouble with the snap guy. Joe Tessitore. No, McDonough did it a few years ago. Didn't he do it with? Uh, Who McDonough? He only did it for like a year, and then this year was Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane, which was like Man. awful. Like make your ears bleed. Terrible broadcast. And then there were uh, other reports that ESPN was also trying to get Peyton Manning. Um, and might have actually paid him more than Tony Romo to come do their uh, do their broadcast. So if they had the dream team of Al Michaels and Peyton Manning together, maybe they could have brought those Monday Night Football uh, Monday Night Football stats up. The best part about this is one again, I didn't know you could trade for broadcasters, but Al Michaels has actually been traded before. <laughs> uh, so Mister, do you believe in miracles? Was actually traded from ESPN to NBC. Uh, essentially for the rights to the first iteration of what became Mickey Mouse, but was Walt Disney's first creation called um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. So as the story goes, ESPN acquired Monday Night Football. They lost Sunday Night Football. Um, so they had Tariko, they had John Madden, they had, um, they had obviously Al Michaels, and then they also had the gentleman's name escapes me, Joe Theismann. So they had those four, and essentially they needed two, uh, as long as like the directors and the producers and stuff who would have been you know, kind of uh, assembled into that crew as well. But they ended up choosing um, Tariko and Theismann, obviously. But when they were doing like their contract negotiations, uh, Bob Iger, who was the, um, the, the president of Disney, at, or the CEO of Disney at the time, um, I think he recently stepped down, uh, Essentially, he said, you know, we can give you Al Michaels talking to um, you know, talking to NBC, but we got to have Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back. So he got traded for a cartoon character that didn't even become Mickey Mouse. It was just like the first sort of version of Mickey Mouse. I would like to go on record saying this has been the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals maybe ever. Okay, Trump. What a travesty. The ESPN had this man and gave him up, and we're stuck listening to fucking Booger. Yeah. How do you get on TV with a name like Booger? How do they not tell you? Because he's been in the league, man. When I played (laughs) in the league, when I'm in the league, that's why. It's so unbelievably bad, and it's mind-boggling. ESPN's expanse and network in their money and i don't care about the layoffs and all the bullshit their reach and their primo nfl product and you have booger on tv giving us some of the worst broadcasts i mean legitimately monday night football's broadcast is worse than the worst big 10 basketball broadcast do you know how bad that is any Big Ten basketball fans out there that are ever stuck watching oh, no, a tier three. That dockage isn't worse than Booger. A tier three. It's pretty bad. That's what I'm saying. A tier three Big Ten broadcast. And that is still better than what they're putting out on Monday Night Football. I watched, you, two, I watched two Monday Night Football games this year. Yeah. So I watched two ESPN this year. ESPN is just tanking to well, get the on, number one draft hold pick. Hold on. I want to hear what AJ has to say. He doesn't watch much football. Like... I watched two, the Lions and the Packers, and then um, the Saints and the Colts. I might have watched a few other, just like caught a few glimpses here or there. But it was, it was brutal. 
Like, so, like, first of all, this is, like, a continuation of how bad their broadcast was last year. And I don't know, like, who Booger McFarlane thinks he is, but, like, I feel like he thinks he's number one, like, God's gift to football, but then also God's gift to football broadcasting. Because did you all see the picture last year where he would sit in that, like, elevated tower as a sideline reporter? And he's got, like, this booth. He's in a crane, but then he's got, like, a, um, he's got, like, a, uh, like, three TV screens. And it's, like, he's operating a forklift on the side. Everybody behind him can't see. And it's, like, dude, first of all, you're a sideline reporter. You're not an analyst. The analyst made it to the booth. You're still on the sidelines. Get over yourself. Second of all, then they bring him into the booth this year, and it's just like, number one, I don't even know who you are, right? Like, most analysts, you've at least, like, heard their name. Even Brock Heward, you've heard his name prior to him being in the booth. I don't remember ever hearing Booger McFarland's name. And then all he does is rest on the laurels that he spent time in the league. Like, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm glad that you made it that far. But, dude, you are not, like, you're not Tony Romo, so stop acting like it. You're not Peyton Manning, so stop acting like it. Nobody knows who you are, and nobody cares what you have to say. That's how I felt from the two broadcasts that I listened to this this past football season. Well, I, 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 think, I think it's awesome, by the way, this attempted trade. It, it was the coolest thing I've seen in a while. It's not that... I mean, you can, it's like anything else. There's no, there's not a lot of precedent for it. It is not common. There is not a structure and a deadline, and it does not happen a lot the way we see it in sports. But in the business world, uh, trades are very much a thing. I mean, you're under contract for a company, and there's no reason they can't trade your contract to somebody else unless your contract stipulates different, just like other networks. I mean, they essentially have the rights to you. Yeah, but you uh, work for like a network, not a sports do. So that yeah, is like kind of like a bit odd. Is they're all under the same umbrella, right? Like if you're going from one NFL team to like, it'd be another. like uh, I don't know if ESPN and in this case NBC are owned by the same. Company. Like, could you imagine like CNN going, "Hey, uh-huh. could you give us Bill Riley and we'll throw in like a box of socks"? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's well, it's got to be a legitimate trade. I mean, they can trade TV rights. They can trade a lot of things. I There's get that, but like, how often do you ahead. see that in the actual business you world? You don't. You don't see it. Oh, in the business world. So, but I, that's what it's, this it's is, right? Not that. So you wouldn't. It, it would be like a tech company, and maybe they trade some of their tech that they've developed or the rights to use it for some talent from another that's, company. I guess maybe we're like, oh, it doesn't happen that often because maybe we don't hear about it. Well, it's but not, like, it's not like an insanely like there's this big market and ad- companies are actively trading talent for. Cash no, right. I get, yeah, you know, players to be named later it and isn't all that. Unheard of. It, it does. It is a thing, but Analyst it's just to be it's not later. something that we hear about because why would you hear about it? Nobody really cares. Um, we'll take your I, second round pick in the accountant draft next year. <laughs> and mostly, like a it, like a combine for <laughs> sports broadcasting. In the business world, usually, usually people. Companies just undercut other companies and go right. behind their back and yeah. steal guys and overpay them and break contracts and all kinds of wild shit. But um, it, it's amazing. And I'm – the thing that – the reason this matters to me a lot more than anything else other than the fact that it's cool 
and it shows that Al Michaels is good at his job and is valued. But the most important thing about all this, you heard about ESPN trying to pay, pay Peyton. Now you're hearing about him trying to trade for one of the best broadcasters in the business. What it means is that ESN, ESPN has heard and understand the criticism. They know that their product is absolute trash. Oh, yeah. And they actually want to fix it. Like, yeah. they are willing to put in the time and effort and money to fix it. That I'm Next year, I'm not going to hear Booger on TV anymore, at least in relevant spots, which means I'm not watching him at all. It, they recognize the problem and are going to fix it. And that's what I could take out of this more than anything else. Right, 100%. Is that thank you for finally doing the right thing and trying your best to put the product up there. And, I mean, you let's be get, honest. Like, Peyton Manning would be an awesome analyst. Well. He'd be fantastic. I don't know that. He Come could on. be. Given he's his so, charisma in those commercials and his obvious, like, dissection of the game when he was playing, he would be better than Tony and, Romo. And with his, uh, his detail series. So, like what Kobe Ryan did with basketball, Peyton did with football, and Peyton's hilarious. Yeah. I think, I think Peyton would be really good, but I think it is projecting a bit much. Broadcasting is very unlike most things. It, it is not – there's honestly – broadcasting is its complete own view. There's nothing like broadcasting. Peyton is obviously a brilliant football mind. No one would question that. And he's been great in spots. He's been great on commercials. He's been great in his miniseries. But he's just playing himself. He's just being himself. He has not had to take a broadcast and break it down for the audience, but do it while not detracting from the game. Doing it simply, not being overbearing, little tidbits here and there, but not detracting from, I'm still watching the game. That's where most of my focus is See, more to help me along. I don't know. And it's, it's a skill. And I'm not maybe I undervalue, maybe I undervalue the role of an analyst because I feel like if I needed to hop on a, an analyst job for a baseball game, I could do it. The play-by-play I wouldn't be so good at. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe it's just me not knowing. So look at it this way. The okay. experience. That, like, I, I feel like I could I could do that. Even though, like, I know that those guys prepare. You catching and a football game, do you generally feel like you really like the broadcast or they suck? Depends on who it is. Um, In general, like the majority of the time. Because for me, the majority of the time, I think they suck. For the majority of the time, like, the, the analysts that really like, like Tony Romo, like, calling out plays before they happen, like, I appreciate that. He's great. Yeah. But I'm talking like your average, if you watch 20 games over the course of a couple weeks, I think 14 of them have terrible broadcasts. Well, and for me, it's all about the play-by-play guy, right? If that play-by-play guy is hard to listen to, then I think that the that takes away from the entire broadcast. Like, I, I'm i going to say this, and I will put it on record. Like, I have no problem with Joe Buck. I do for football. I like him for baseball. Um, the dude because it's, it's a boring game and he's a boring guy. No, I, I, I think that he's a very professional play-by-play guy. Um, I also, I, I like the guy from Fox. Uh, what's his name? Um, the dude that yells like when somebody gains two yards. Gus Johnson. Yeah, I like him. Like I might be, I, like Gus too. I Gus might be fun. crazy, but like. I don't, there's some. I, it's just it's fun to like listen to him, J.K. all day, right? Like it, it's just re- it's it. I don't know. I, I it's fun for me. So as far as like broadcasts go throughout the like week, like 
I don't know. I I think they've gotten progressively worse over the years. Like the NFL allowing Matt Millen in a booth. Uh, Schlereth has, was terrible this year. Um, <laughs> I forget who else they have, but like I like Spielman. I think Spielman's good. Um, I don't they throw the bag at Pat McAfee. Yeah, I mean, like, but like we grew up listening to John Madden and Pat Mac or. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Pat Summerall, right? Um, I, I think I like those two were like awesome together. Maybe it's because they were on the video game, and like that's just who we were accustomed to. But um, yeah, that that's kind of my take on. Maybe so I just said point, a lot without saying anything. My point in asking that was, uh, I think most people would agree the majority of broadcasts that watch suck, and I think more than anything else that points to how difficult of a job it is. I would agree. Regardless of your history in the sport yeah. or your knowledge. And that's what I said. I probably is, undervalue it. Is it is so a like, skill. So like me and saying that saying is Peyton overstating my own great. ability. Peyton might be better than Romo. I have no idea. I understand why he could succeed. But I would never throw a bucket of guaranteed money at someone without seeing them in a broadcast booth. And I get it. That might be what it takes. But... Um, it's hard. It's a hard job, man. And that's why so so many broadcasts suck. I mean, I can't. Lions broadcasts are the worst. Like, what, listening to Spielman talk about football. I, I mean, I already have to you watch don't like the Lions. Him? Oh my god, I, I like him. I, I watch know. you on mute most of the time. It's no, I don't like Spielman. Uh, I will say one so thing bad. about Booger though is when the Lions got hosed against yeah, the Packers. Yeah, he had their back. Booger was Booger was all about. I will the, say that the Lions right. uh, like avenge tour. Yeah, and that's so that's and I don't misconstrue this. Like I don't I don't have anything against Booger as a person or any other broadcaster that's not fun to listen to. I that's it's a hard job, but if you suck at it, I want somebody else. Yeah, it is very the the the. You have a lot more enjoyment of a game if the broadcast is nice. I mean, you have the most enjoyment if your team is winning. But outside of that, a better broadcast really makes the game better. And there's just not a lot of Brett Musburgers out there anymore. There's not. All right, Paul. Best broadcast duo you've ever heard in any sport. Can I include radio? Sure. Hands down. Double D and Jim Price, baby. Not even... Close anywhere. God, so, I love them. So, so I, I love Dan Dickerson, but Jim Price ruins it for me. You, you don't think There's it's a nice areas. area? You don't think it's a nice area? Mm-mm. I got it. Jim Brandstatter and Frank Beckman, were, when they were together, were awesome. Yeah, they were after pretty good, Frank too. Left, after Frank left and Jim moved over to... Play-by-play. Play. Yeah. It's not the same, but when they were together, they were phenomenal. Um, Ryan, best duo. Well, it's not a racist ass Frank Beckman. Um, <laughs> Is that why he stepped down? No. Okay. No, I think he was just too old. Okay. No, he stepped but, down uh, because he hitched his wagon to Rich Rod. I was there that. Oh, I was there the night that Rich Rod did that whole "you raise me up" thing. Do y'all know about that? No, I have no idea what you're talking Oh, my about. gosh. Okay, so it's my brother's senior night, right? This is a quick story, and then we can get back to this. My brother's senior night, Rich Rod's basically on the hot seat. It's their, um, 
I think they call it the Champions Dinner or something like that, where they get their their M ring, and it's supposed to be about these seniors. And all Rich Rod did was he got up there and he talked about himself and the program that he's building, and then he like went for this real emotional moment where he like he goes, "All I can do is ask for your support." And, like, let this be, like, the mantra as we move forward. And he played over the speakers, Josh Groban's You Raise Me Up, as he, like, grabbed <laughs> Frank Beckman's hand and raised it in the air and grabbed his wife's hand and raised it in the air. And we were all sitting there, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is the worst. Like, I'm glad you got fired. Anyways, go ahead. Oh my Best God. duo. Uh, so uh, Marv Albert and Steve Kerr, back when Steve Kerr was a color guy, he was – He's the best NBA color guy that I've ever heard. And it was back uh, when Marv was a little bit more coherent than um, <laughs> than he is now, where he's still good at his job. Uh, I like Mike Breen, too, but I don't really care for Jeff Van Gundy and um, Mark Jackson. Uh, Stan Van Gundy is really good at color, though. Like, he, like he's amazing at it. Uh, but Marv Albert and Steve Kerr. Wish you could have coached. So my... I think the best duo, I mean, obviously I think the best broadcaster probably of all time is Vin Scully, but that's not a duo, right, because he did single-man booths. But it was Sunday Night Baseball, and it was John Miller and Joe Morgan. Those guys were like the voice of summer for so long, and I, I love those two together. I'm trying to think who was Al Michaels with, um, oh God, Collinsworth on NBC, <laughs> the the sliding. Chris Collinsworth, King of the Slide, and Al Michaels were pretty damn good together. They're still together, are they not? But I'm I'm just saying, is a duel. No, they are. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty great. Like they're pretty good. Like if there's if there's like right now, Nance and Romo are the best football commentators though. Romo's too new to crown. I don't see, and I think Nance doesn't like Romo. You don't like, think just so? when they're broadcasting, he seems like he gets annoyed with. I I, with, I see it with like Romo it's... calling plays because and he's like calling Romo's, the plays out, like Romo's excitement. Well, so think about. Well, he it doesn't from... call the plays out as much as he did when he first started. Think about it from Nance's perspective. Like you've been doing this your whole life and training for it and perfecting it, and you're just completely overshadowed now. Like nobody cares. Like re- no, yeah, but like, like the average Nance person is like is just like Romo. Nance is the best though. I love Jim Nance. Like Sunday afternoons, calling the Masters, like he's the best voice to fall asleep to. <laughs> That's not not what you want as broadcaster. No, but it's for golf like a, it is. Like, like such an insult. No, I understand what you're saying. It's funny though. Dick Vitale back in the day. God, Vitale's such a. Yeah, but come he's on, so back in the now. day, like in his heyday, he was like it, man. Now he's like and like Bill Walton's fun. That one, I wouldn't call guys, Bill Walton did a you great guys basketball hear commentator. Last but. year, Bill Walton called baseball game. I, I think not, so. I did not hear that. Oh my gosh, man! It was it like Bill Walton annoys me, but it was like he called a White Sox game, and it was like really, really funny, like hilarious. It, uh, oh, they let um, Snoop Dogg call a hockey game too. I think I, it was a that Tampa Bay I, I do. Game. That I that. see. I do remember. Well, that. not uh, not a whole game. It was like a snippet, but yeah, they. But he did pretty game. good too, from what I remember. Didn't he? 
Yeah, well, because he, he got to, uh, like, narrate a fight, basically. Yeah. But you <laughs> know hilarious. what? Like, uh, is it Ken Cal well, and Mickey Redmond? They're, they're a pretty good duo, too. As long as... Do they do? I was gonna do say, Dick, both, didn't Mickey Remen get canceled? But wasn't that Don Cherry? Do they do both Don the Cherry TV and and the radio broadcast for the Wings? Who? Oh, no! I don't think that's possible. <laughs> well, not at the same time. It's not possible. But why wouldn't so, like, it be they... possible? Because of the two different stations? Because I swear, whoever does the TV broadcast and the radio play-by-play, I swear they're the same guy. So I they mix now. They mix um. TV and radio mixes time to time for Tigers. Um, no, I so know that. I know out of that. The question for the wings. Oh no, Ken Daniels does one, Ma- and Ken Mario Cal does the other one, right? For the for the wings, you're talking. Yeah. 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 Ken okay. Cal definitely does hockey. Ken Cal does, but Ken Daniels is Daniels the other guy. Too, yeah. I swear they sound the same, man. You know, it sounds the same as, um, so, George Baja does Michigan, he obviously does the Pistons, but he does Michigan State football, and I don't know who does Michigan State basketball, but he sounds very, very similar to George Baja. He just sounds a little bit older, but they sound, like, damn near identical. I didn't know that Baja didn't do, I don't listen to Spartans basketball on the radio ever, but I didn't know that Baja didn't do it. I mean, it seems like he would, like, why doesn't he? So Blaha did it during the 01 season. Although I guess it would probably come into mix with, I mean, there's probably nights the Pistons play and the Spartans Yeah, play. I mean, it's probably like a lot of, I don't know, well, I don't know, he probably has to travel to the game. But just going from like Lansing down to Detroit, I don't know where he lives. But, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a far drive for like constantly... Well, they're on the road all the time for road games, anyway. Yeah. George Blaha was good to listen to during that run of the Pistons, too. He's still good to listen to. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't didn't mean it that way. I just, I haven't watched the Pistons really since. I'm not a huge fan of Kelser, but at least it looks like they like each other. (laughs) So there's there's chemistry there. But, yeah, Blaha is really good. And I've enjoyed listening to him forever. I don't know if that's just bias. It's like... He was good, though. He was fun. We got, like, one more thing to get to, don't we? Yeah. The the logos, unless you wanted to tell everybody that Ernie Harwell, the little nugget you found. Well, so we're talking about radio or broadcasters being traded. The only broadcaster in baseball history to ever be traded was Ernie Harwell back in 1948, and he was actually traded for a player, which is even crazier. Um Mickey Owen was a catcher uh, that took the spot of a guy named Cliff Dapper. Cliff Dapper went off and served in World War One or World War Two. I'm sorry, um, came back a little bit skinnier and a little bit weaker uh, than he left, and so he spent the next year in the minor leagues. Didn't really put up very good numbers. In 1948, eventually to kind of cancel out the contract. The Brooklyn Dodgers at the time traded him um, to <clears throat> the Baltimore Orioles and received in return Ernie Harwell as their radio That's guy. Crazy. It's crazy. Then eventually it's Harwell so went. 
So what I think is even crazier is you guys know the famous home run from 1951. Bobby Thompson shot heard around the world. There is the TV version of that is the one that you always hear. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant, right? Well, Ernie Harwell was actually broadcast mates with that guy. And they would trade off rotate between radio his name was russ hodges so russ hodges and ernie harwell they would um rotate between radio and and tv and it just so happened that that last game of the season 1951 was ernie's turn to be on the radio and russ hodges turn to be on television bobby thompson hits the home run russ hodges is immortalized how's that for you the, the Ernie Harwell effect. Oh. Amazing story. And then, obviously, a few years later, Ernie comes to Detroit, and the rest is history. As, uh, what's his name used to say, and now you know the rest of the story. Do you even know the, who I'm referencing when I say that? No, I have no idea. Oh, my I do. gosh. Paul I, Harvey? Paul- the best. Paul, I, I remember on long trips. Oh, we man. He, he we would, had a house. We had a house in Pontiac when I was growing up until I was pretty old. Uh, that's where I was born, actually, is Pontiac. But we moved to the Thumb when I was just two. Um, we drove back and forth all the time. Oh, uh, I've seen his face for we'd sure. Come in the week, we'd come down on weekends, and, uh, and we also came down a lot in the summer. And always, I just remember always driving, and my dad had on the radio. I listened yeah, to so much Yeah, WJR, 760, man. So He'd come much, on for so like a little bar, snippet. His voice, oh my God. Yeah. And now oh you know the rest no, of the story. I and I, when I was a kid, I was all I didn't like talk radio. No, me like, either. I was, like I was a kid, I wanted to listen to music or sports or whatever. Like I didn't want to listen to talk radio. Where you get older, and in the morning you wake up and you're like, wow, I actually don't feel like listening to music. I feel old as fuck. I understand now. But when you're a kid, you want to listen to goddamn talk radio. Except Paul Harvey. Like Paul Harvey was the exception. Like yeah. seven year old me. Ryan, you got to look him like, up on YouTube. There's some on there. Shit. Like they're like they're really good. Like they're like, like Paul, Paul Harvey story time is fantastic. Yeah, great. Anyway, so let's go to our last segment. So the last one we have is uh, worst logos in sports. It's a very cold transition, but I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you saw the Los Angeles Rams new leaked logo from Greg Robinson or Charles Robinson, whoever. Um, he posted a picture on Twitter of the hat with this logo that very much looks like it could be for the L.A. Chargers. Um, it's it's just terrible. Uh, so they got me got me thinking and got us thinking. What are the worst logos? in any of the um the four major sports or just the worst logo really that you can kind of think of who who do you want to call out for their poor design team i cannot believe how this is still acceptable the cleveland browns using <laughs> their already barren ass logoless helmet as their fucking logo is the most egregious thing in sports it is so unbearably ridiculous and the fact that they stamp they deserve everything they get as a franchise because of their logo that's not even a look they have a stupid ass helmet first of all they're called the browns and their fucking main color is orange which is already ridiculous enough like they put orange on everything you're the goddamn. well their browns. uniform colors are brown it, it's part of it 
Their helmets completely like orange. The their road jerseys have more orange than brown. It's ridiculous. And so your team name is the Browns. And you're so... You can't come up with a logo. So your helmet is just fucking orange. Your whole helmet with a stupid-ass stripe on it. And because you don't have a logo, you're just like, let's use the helmet. We're going to take our plain-ass logoless helmet and make that the logo whenever we need to use a logo. It's the stupidest thing. Like, I would rather you just have a terrible fucking logo. Like, do not insult us using your logoless helmet as your logo. It's just, Or just, like, a B. Like, it's so, it's so bad. bad. It's, <laughs> it's so, so bad. It's so unbelievably... It's just embarrassing. Like, it's... It, they deserve everything to get us a oh, franchise. Oh, 100%. Because of that. Yeah. It's just stupid. Like, 100%. it's 2020. Hire a goddamn design team. Yeah. You don't even have a history to s- s- claim, like, oh, we, we have significance. We won Super Bowls with it. Get the fuck out of here. All right, I'm going to go next, and I'm going to stay in football. But I think one of the worst logos is the new design of the Miami Dolphins logo. They went from a classic great logo with that like cartoon-looking dolphin that's angry and ready to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> with the helmet on? Yeah. With the helmet on <laughs> to like with the vibrant orange and the good like dark teal color to this like I don't know if it's orange, I don't know if it's yellow sunray with some kind of like clip art dolphin. Yeah, it's like a SeaWorld dolphin. It is the I'm at it right it's now. terrible. Like you had such a good logo and then you went and did this. Like it's not the same as the Browns helmet cuz like that was actually one I was thinking about too Paul I was like that's a terrible logo. But this is like this looks like something you would put in a presentation from Clipart on Microsoft Office. It's terrible. So it's way worse cuz their logo was like so cool yeah. before. Like, this dolphin's about to mess you up. So I actually don't <laughs> mind the logo. So here's so part of it is because it reminds me of SeaWorld. And when I was a kid, I was like, the <laughs> which is horrible, fan. right? That's horrible what you want to think about when you're <laughs> well, preparing for a football game. What is what is Flipper. Shamu? Shamu is a killer whale, which is actually a type of dolphin, and it's a fucking murderous <laughs> thing, right? Like it's not a bad thing. And I, the new you logo, just had to leap from their clip art logo to explaining how orcas are a type of dolphin that should strike fear in the opponents of the apex predators. When orcas. they're when they're literal, when their literal other logo has a dolphin that looks like it would murder you. So here's the thing: I didn't like the helmet on the old logo. I liked everything Kid. else about it, but the hel- well, I saw almost everything else. I didn't like the ho- logo. And I didn't like the shadowing on the dolphin. It's too much. I like a little cleaner look from my logos. And they cleaned up the shadowing on the dolphin a little bit. Although they ruined it because they made the sun more complicated. The old sun was better. But the helmet threw it off for me. The helmet to me was a little cheesy and too old for my my taste. I loved... There was this awesome alternate I seen. It was the exact same as the old one. But the dolphin was wearing these like super mean looking sunglasses. That was oh, pretty. That's badass. even worse. No, it was pretty cool, but the I new just, logo this just doesn't like, bother me that much. It's like oh, it, it's it's an. I was like scrolling whatever. through this list of like it's like an aquarium logo. Yeah, it, it, it just is, is like it is, it's clip fair. art. It looks like clip art. <laughs> I like. I get it. I don't think it's that bad. It's terrible. It's, there's, and there's their, a lot and of their really uniforms and their uniforms because they like paled them up a little bit. I think look as bad as the logo does 
Like, I don't like their uniform change either. But that's neither Didn't here nor there. they make their uniforms more vibrant? It's, it's about the logos, not the uniforms. Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, so I went... Um, I was actually looking at two in baseball because I'm not usually a fan of just, like, the one or, like, the letter. Uh, like, I like the old English D, but I wasn't a big fan of the Cleveland Indians C because oh, now classic, they got rid of Chief man. Wahoo. Um, or, like, the Pittsburgh the P. Oh. But the the one I chose because it's bugged me since they put it out, and it's closer to to my heart because I have to – because I watch, you know, most of the, most of the games that this team plays – um, the Los Angeles Clippers new logo, where it's like the LAC all scrunched up together on a basketball that's supposed to like look like a basketball court. It's uh, it's just pretty terrible. Like speaking of something that you could make in clip art, that's kind of exactly what that looks Is like. Is it the one that like has like the LA with the C around it and then a basketball? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, like, if that's something I could like, draw myself, you <laughs> probably shouldn't use it as your franchise's logo because I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. And, like, the rest of their whole redesign has been really cool with the San Andreas, Los Angeles jerseys. Um, even their, like, their new uniforms I like, they they don't feature, well, the, the uniforms that feature this logo are, are pretty bad. Um, but their regular uniforms don't feature the logo. And I don't know. I just hate it. I hate looking at it because it seems like, you know, one, you're in Los Angeles. How hard is it to find a good designer in Los Angeles? And two, it's it's just bad. Like, it's – I don't know if it's just that it lacks color because the only color is in the LAC. But every time I look at it, it's it's not a, not a happy experience. I don't know what NBA team's obsession is that they feel like they have to put the basketball in their logo. Yeah. Like, I'm you don't you. see that in all the other major sports. Like there's Well, the Dolphins did put a helmet on their Dolphin, but whatever. A helmet is not a football. <laughs> it's like, and it's the Browns is, is just is a helmet. helmet. Which is why it's the worst <laughs> of all of them. But you don't see all these football teams yeah. with footballs in their logo. You don't see all these baseball teams with ball, the baseball in their logo. And when you do, it's crazy. Well, the Orioles have a bat, don't they? When you do, no. They yeah, have a bird. Well, they have the a bird Orioles swinging have the best a bat. No, the Orioles the, actual the bird logo isn't is sitting just on the a bat. Face. No, their actual logo is just the no, face. No, you're of the bird. thinking of the Cardinals, Ryan. The Cardinals have two no. birds sitting across a bat. Um, but that's so even when, but that's when like the classic. other teams do it, it is it's more creative, it's better. Um, the Orioles actually have one of the best logos in sports in my opinion. I would opinion. agree with that. Sweet. Um, but base or basketball teams have this weird obsession they got to put the basketball in the logo and none of them do it well like it never looks good like the pistons logo sucks man Uh, it's just not it's not good the clippers i hate everything about it so i am all about subtle things in logos and uh like uh and callbacks i get the idea so you have a basketball and you're also representing the court right but you did a terrible job doing it. The execution was awful and it didn't work. So at that point, a rational person scraps the idea and does something different. But they just left it anyway. And then the LAC, again, I love word art. And I love, what are they called, anagrams? Is that what it is? When you have the letters for your whatever. Sure. It's awful. The LAC is awful. There's nothing good about it. It's 
the sea the way it wraps it doesn't around, connect to like, anything <laughs> it's, it's just there it's so just it's Stupid. three levels of awful it's just it's bad it's bad all the way around there's no redeeming quality of the logo other than if you were a fan your three-year-old child could draw the logo that's cool like if you want to put some art on your fridge that your kid drew in in preschool uh, he could draw the Clippers logo for you, so that'd be cool, I guess. But that's it. I mean, it's like it's just it's trash. I think the best subtlety in a logo representing the sports of Boston Red Sox with the four bases on the toes and heel of their socks. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Let me show. I you. didn't know. I didn't know they had the bases there. Yeah, that's look, cool. look right here. Oh yeah, you see it? Yeah. That's so, like great subtlety. The Minnesota Wild, I think, have one of the coolest like. Like, as far as, I, I wouldn't even call it subtlety, because it's very clear what it is both ways. But it's awesome. Like, you have yeah, an animal, right, that's cool. and then you also have the scenery. Like, it's odd. Like it's just super cool. Like, I love, yeah. I love anything like that. Like, you have a play on things. You have a double meaning. Like, there's so many amazing things you can do with logos. And there's so many talented graphic designers out there. And so many talented idea people out there. Yeah. You are a billion-dollar organization, right? Like, hire these people. Crowdsource it on the internet if you have to. Do you know how many cool concepts are out there? I don't care how you do it. Get ideas from good places and then hire someone with actual talent to make it a reality. So the Washington Wizards logo is cool because it has the Washington Monument in it. Let me Google it. I'm just mad they're not the bullets anymore. All right, hey, past or present, what best, oh, that is sweet. best logo? See, so the Washington Wizards is a perfect example on how you could incorporate a basketball or a ball or something in a unique, different, cool way. Yeah, I like that. Like, that, that is exactly, like, looking at that is how you don't do what the Clippers did. Can we just, like, make mention of how terrible their original franchise name was, like the Washington Bullets, considering, like, there have been four presidents assassinated? Like, I think it's fantastic. Who I thought that was a great idea? Could you, imagine, idea? Could you imagine if Gilbert Arenas played for the Washington <laughs> Bullets with everything that he did? Like, how terrible was that? The jokes right themselves. I had a Jawan Howard Bullets jersey. I think it was Jawan Howard. Yeah. The only thing I guess the only thing that frustrates me about Washington is they're the Wizards, and there's just not that much. We're not like, going to be like the politicians. No, not the name. The Washington they just filibusters. don't do much with being the Wizards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where are their wizard hats? Where are their like? Yeah. They just don't ever like do much. They with did them. with like those blue uniforms that they used to have. They've gone back to like the red, white, and blue look is what the Bullets were. Remember when Jordan played for them and they were like that like. Well, their Smoky old logo blue. was terrible. Do you remember the wizard spinning a basketball yeah. with a W inside yeah. it? That was so Yeah, that was awful. sweet. No, oh, my goodness. That was not good. You're such a hater. No. All right, hey, give it me. It could have been done good. It was not. Before was so we. Uh, with the little moon? Before yeah, the moon we was end. cool. The moon was cool as fuck. His beard made the W. Come on. Before it's, we end. The extremities. Hold on here. Before we end. <laughs> The swastika your of the best, Your best logo in sports of all time. Major four. 
This is putting me on the spot. Oh, like, man. So um, I, I really like the Pistons teal logo, but that's probably, well, the, my, my other one's biased, too. I will say the logo that the Lions use with the lion with the lion and then the stripes, um, that one to me has oh, always been yes. really slick and Wait, clean. Wait, say that I, again? Which one? The, the Lions 1950s. logo where it has the blue and the silver stripe, the and then the lion the is just like a blue oh, cat, yeah. sort of. The yeah. logo we used in the 50s, I literally, if I was... I said this number one thing if I was ever GM of the Lions, like that logo instantly is where this is what we're going back to. Like, no no doubt about it. Like, this is our fucking logo. It, it's perfect because we need a full rebranding, anyways, and that's the last time yeah. we won games of consequence. All so. right, Paul, go. My. So, put me on the spot, so I'm going to stay local with this one. Uh, the Wolverine with the sailor hat. Okay. One of the coolest things. That is period. cool. I like that it's one. Absolutely fantastic. So, I'm going to stick to baseball and. I like my favorite logo of all time is the tiger head with the Detroit Tigers over it, right? We're all biased. But I think the coolest logo of all time is the Expos logo, um, because of what is kind of hidden in it. And I'm sending this to you so you can see it right now. But if you notice, the Expos logo has there's an E that makes an M. And then the final part of the M is the B for Montreal Expos Baseball. Oh, oh that reminds me. Yeah, that actually cool. reminds me of one of my favorite logos in sports, the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers are another one, which is really awesome because they have the, the M and the B inside their baseball glove, which you would never that, notice. The Brewers logo might actually be my favorite logo in sports. For, it, it's, for nostalgia's sake, the, the old Toronto Raptors logo with the actual dinosaur. That was pretty cool, but it wasn't like the the Brewers logo. I that's got the be jerseys they had. To answer sweet. the question, the Brewers logo has to be my answer. It is so. It is a literally perfect baseball mitt that also is an M and a B. Yeah. And it is so. Do you see it, Ryan? Clean. It's so yeah, see clean. It. It's so yeah, it's well sweet. done. It's it's everything a logo should be. I it's love simple. their colors too. There's like not that. a lot of lines. It's incredibly yeah. clean. It has the double meanings. It has everything that you could possibly pack into it from your name to your sport to your it's so fucking good. Yeah. The Milwaukee Brewers is a master class in coming up with a logo. It's yeah. just it's perfect. Like you can't do it better than that. Like I I like the Wolverine just cuz it's cool looking. Like it's 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 old school, it's cartoonish. Said for major sports. But god dang the Milwaukee Brewers. Whoo, that logo is so sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean the I, is sweet I, too. I, I and, and I, the old English D. The, so again, I, and I wanted, whole to, lot stay, of I mean, I wanted to stay out of the well, to so not the be biased. Wheel, the winged wheel. The winged wheel is the best logo in hockey. Yeah, it is. Hundred percent. For sure, it's the best logo in hockey. But while the English D is awesome, I would take the Brewers logo in a heartbeat. I mean, it doesn't work for us, but the Brewers logo is <laughs> so Steal good. It. So good. I would not take that over the old English D. You're nuts. It's so good. It is good, and I agree with you that it's good, but there is no way in it's the biased. bad place. that it's I would, No, it's not. I think that it we has... have the best home jerseys in all of baseball. Jerseys are not a logo. It's different. Jer- jerseys incorporate the logo. I mean, are we going to fix the hats? Are they we going to not look like hats back. we bought at a gas station anymore? They went back to it last year. All right, thank God. Thank you. But again, like we could talk jerseys all night. We got to get rid of the Tigers road jerseys. I think they're terrible. I'm really glad that you brought up the Expos because it reminded me of what my favorite. Those gray ones. Actually, I, I think that we need to go back to the '68 road jerseys that just say a block Detroit across the front with the number on the sleeve. And I think that we should use now an I alternate blue on the road 
like their spring training ones because I like the spring training blues with the white. English oh, like the powder blue? No, the navy blue with the English D on it. What were the powder blue jerseys we wore? What was that for? That was for a players weekend thing. Well, nope, don't like these. Which ones? The 1968s. Rhodes? You don't like those? They're... I mean, they're they're too plain. They're just too plain. I mean, it's just... There's no... They're too plain. No, they're my there's favorite. There's no stylization my fa- to them. Nothing. Right. No creativity. It's right. just... They're my favorite, like, of all time. I just... They just are, like... Strong, sturdy, like we're here about business, not to flash. Like that, I like it. Whatever. Oh, you just or bring, or bring back the uh, these ones. The the nineteen eighty four road jerseys. We have so much better, so many better options than what we currently have. I mean, they're these are terrible. You don't. You're saying our current jerseys are terrible. I hate our current road jerseys. Why? I just don't like them. But they're they're not that much different. That's why I just wish we would go to the '68, where they're like two colors instead of the orange. I mean, it's just. Oh, you hate it? Oh, I like our road jerseys. It's they're just it's. I don't know how you like the 68 ones, but you don't like the script. I just don't like them. Personal preference, maybe. <laughs> so quit asking. Yeah. We could go back to the pinstripes <laughs> that the Tigers oh, used to this? wear. Oh, I don't like this. What is this? You see that? I don't know. But if if you're following along at home, you can uh, you can look up all these jerseys that we're talking yeah. about. So then you can have so as, as right good now. of a Actually, time. For DSN, I, wrote, I ranked their Detroit Tigers jerseys. All of them ever? like the No, 60 no. The top five, I think it was top five of all time. Top five Tigers uniforms of all time. What do you think about this stupid thing they're doing with the uh, double stripe down the middle now? What are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about in the on the jersey itself? Yeah. I hate it. I didn't know that that was never not a thing. Like, that was a thing all the way back in 1945. And in 84. In the 4-5. Are you talking about down the buttons? Like on the jersey on itself? On each side of the buttons. Huh? On each side of the buttons. Yeah. That's been part of our jerseys for since 1945. Oh, I, that looks way better than none. Than those stripes. I just, I hate how it's like... I don't know the, what you mean going back to When the letters go across it, it, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. When the letters go across it, that's why you shouldn't have the script. Just do the well, Detroit. They, so the they didn't have the striping with the old ones. Like the ones you liked didn't have striping. Right. But I think for like our home jerseys they look good. Yeah, for the home well there's nothing going across it. It's clean. Right. But you like that's not like our I don't that's why part of our road jerseys I just hate. Oh, we gotta end this. I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> All right, my bad. So for, that's my fault. For, for AJ Riley, Matt Paul Rochon. I'm Ryan Griffin. Uh, we had a great time tonight oh, talking on, about baseball. No, no, we're goals. not done. We're not done. What do you mean? No, we're not. We done. are done. AJ, what? I just because I was looking at, I was looking up these. Do you know what the 1920 Detroit Stars home jersey is? 
Isn't We're it, not talking about Jordan. I thought you had a logo. It's so thing. good. All right. Isn't it's this so a, good. This is the end of the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Carnage, on Facebook, Sports Carnage Podcast, on YouTube, Sports I Carnage. Um, and listen to us on Podbean and iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll be able to find us. Thank you so much and have a good night.